It's time for another Truth Encounter, and today Dave Wurtzen is going to talk to us about the man who received direct revelation from God about his new open-door policy. And then we're going to learn what the gift of prophecy and the gift of tongues was all about in the Corinthian church. Can we trust the Apostle Paul's insight concerning God's purposes? Listen for the next few minutes and decide for yourself. Paul saw this profound insight into the plan of God that after Christ ascended to the right hand of God, God would no longer deal exclusively with Israelites and everyone that was going to be related to, to God needed to become an Israelite, needed to be related to Israel. Instead, God would open the sheepfold and you could come in as a Gentile. It was a profound mystery. doesn't seem that profound to us, but in the first century, it was a profound alteration and change and progression in the work of God. It was a mystery. No way Paul could have figured it out by himself. It was a revelation of the secret counsel of God. So the idea of mystery is someone is able to enter in to the very thought patterns and decrees of the sovereign God. It goes on here. That, that's what tongues were. Prayer, unintelligible, very few understood what was saying, and the content of it was a spiritual mystery, a revelation directly from, from God about his thoughts and plans and purposes. Now we talk about prophesying. What was the purpose of the gift of prophecy? But everyone who prophesies, verse 3, speaks to men. Now, notice the focus. The tongue speaker is focused on God in the fellowship of believers. The prophecy speaker is focused on one another. Now, I want you to see this. The tongue speaker is focused on God. Now, there's a very subtle thing here. That would seem to be very spiritual. In fact, some of you right here would say that as you think about your spiritual life, as you're sitting here, if you could get caught up into God, if you could be totally dominated by Him and get totally out of touch with everybody around, then you would feel you'd really accomplish something. That would be an unbelievable high. Mary the other day, you know, was sharing with me. She said, man, there's just, there's just got to be something else. I said, well, Mary, what are, you, what are you really looking for? She said, I like to go someplace where there's no problems. Tired of problems. Tired of broken marriages. Tired of, of people's personality problems. I'm just tired of all the problems. I said, fine, let's go to heaven. When do you want to go? <laughs> See, all of us have this idea. If somehow we could just... If somehow I could just get rid of you all, then I could really do something. You see, then I could pray and I could read my Bible and I could really get close to God. It's messing around with all this personality stuff. It's these friendships that get all boggled up. You know, because we really get to know one another well and then there's a breakdown and some of the flesh comes out. And man, you find out that I'm not right out of heaven, that I make mistakes. And we got to work through all this messy stuff, just like being in a family. That's hard. So there's some of you here that you retreat. And so you read your Bible. You might read it 25 hours in a day. You memorize the Old Testament, the Old Testament. You pray constantly. You walk around like you're floating in the air. You think you're the most spiritual person that could possibly be. You spend hours 
in intimate communion with God. But you can't stand God's people. That's what the Corinthians were into. And I want you to see the, the Apostle Paul, who I know for sure was inspired by God. I know he was. You know what he says? When you gather together, don't sit there and go into your own private world. Look around you. You're a human being right now. You're on planet Earth right now. And you're with God's fellow people, made in the image of God. And I don't know exactly why God did it this way, but the reason I'm on planet Earth is to build you up. And you're on planet Earth to build me up. And you can't get out of it. You're in the family of you're a believer. And so we've got to work it through, just like a marriage. And that's what the Corinthians didn't want to do. And I'm stressing this so much because I think it's the plague of much of Christendom. We're so individual. We're so much in concern to what's happening to me. Very lonely, barefooting spiritual experiences. I've got to get individually high. Nobody else around. Instead of all the intimacy and all the rubbing shoulders and all the comradeship and yet all the hurt that there can be of really getting into one another's lives. And I praise God because I think the Holy Spirit's mildly moving and I think he's done it over the last several months to start to move some of you off your individual focus and you've started reaching out to others and your eyes are not inner-directed but they're other-directed in the Spirit. And Paul is telling you an incredible thing. In this age, that's more the will of God than a person who's totally lost in focusing up there. First John puts it like this. Don't tell me you love God if you don't love your brother. Because how in the world can you love someone as a human being that you can't see if you can't get along with a guy that's right there that's flesh and blood? Because you're a human being. If you can't relate to someone that you can hug for real, that you can talk to for real, that you can see them, then don't tell me that you worship an invisible God. Now that's a hard idea. I'm the pietist and the mystic who wants to go into himself or into herself. You understand what I'm saying? You want to find God? You're going to find him in the holy revelation of God, which is going to tell you you're going to find him in all the problems, in all the working through of building human relationships for the glory of God. And I praise God for that reality because it's true. I have found Jesus Christ in you. You have taught me of him. You are chipping away at my life just as I chip away at your life. We need one another. That's what Paul is saying. And we can't just sit here as a whole series of individuals trying to have someone do something to us. We need to see ourselves as a community, a body, a oneness. Prophecy focuses not so much on God, but it's receiving a message down from God through the inspired prophet to his people. And the focus of the prophet is on fellow believers and reaching out to unbelievers and not so much inward and upward. It's outward to reach people for God and to build them up. Prophecy, everyone who prophesies speaks to men. And what happens? It's what I've been talking about. He speaks to men 
for their strengthening. And it's a little bit hard for you to pick this up maybe. And I'm not sure that we're consistent through the passage with the translation. But that word strengthening is Paul's key word for this chapter. It's the word to build up. It's the word of giving an uplift to one another. It's construction. It's a construction word. And it dominates this entire chapter 14. Paul uses it. It's not, a, it's not an often used word. It's, it, it's not a rare word, but it's not a common word. And Paul uses it frequently through this passage. He says, I want you to gather together to build up, to edify, to strengthen. And then he talks about two ways that we do that with the next two words that he uses. He talks about encouragement. And that word encouragement is coming alongside. It's the word that you all have heard of in John 16, the paraclete who brings comfort. Remember the paraclete that comes alongside and acts as your advocate and brings support and brings strengthening? That's the word he uses here. So in other words, one thing that should happen is that we should come alongside one another and we should put our arms around one another and we should say, hey, we're in this together. We're going to pray together today. We're going to strengthen one another today. We're going to build one another up. We're going to be an open place. You know, some of you today have, have just gone through some of the biggest, severest problems you could ever face in life. And your heart is broken today. Maybe it's something you can't share with an entire body of believers. Maybe you need to share it with one or two. Or maybe a smaller group. But please don't leave until you're able to give, until you're able to strengthen, because otherwise your spiritual life will be impoverished. Paul is saying we need to come alongside one another. And I just, I'm very much burdened about this. You know what's happening? And I, even as I'm talking, I really believe some of you can think of some believers. And an illustration, that's, an illustration that's been on my heart, I, I mention it with several people. It comes up again and again and again. They're hurting and some of them are even biting you. And you know when you get bit? When you get bit, you drop. People have problems. I know what happened. So far, I'm able to stand before you and with my own kids. Joel and I yesterday were able to go and just have a, just a normal, precious time. And that's the high of my life in a lot of ways on this planet. You know, to go out and, you know, I, I have an openness. My older boys are not way away from me. We, we talk a lot. But if I ever had to stand up and my kids weren't here because they'd gone totally away from the Lord, and I want you to pray that'll never happen, but there's no guarantee that won't happen. I want to share with you what I would feel. I would want to get up before you and say, I can't be your pastor anymore because my family has failed. That's what I would tell you. I know that's what I would tell you because that's the way my personality is. And then I would want to go and hide. I, I want to get out of the ministry and, and just use my speaking ability some other way. But I'm not really sure that would be the very best and godly thing for God's people. But you know, all over Midlothian, that's happening. Not so much with preachers that just leave their church, but people that just leave. You know why they leave? Because their family's hurting. 
And they can't come anymore. You see, it's, it's very prideful for me to come and Jonathan plays the piano. I'm just leveling with you this morning. Because we've got to level in this town. You see, when Jonathan gets up and plays and, and he does well in school and everything, I'm proud. I'm really proud of all of my kids. They've done well. They've happened to fit in well. That means a lot to me. And boy, you can go like this as a parent, but boy, when they fail, you don't go like that as a parent anymore because you're hurt, because things aren't working out. And something the Christian world needs to realize is that it's not a technique. It's not going through the right plan and reading a book on parenting that makes everything turn out right. Every one of our kids, my kids, your kids, your husband, your wife, all these relationships are made up of people. And we all make choices, and those choices really mean something. So this church family needs to be a place where, where when there's hurts and there's problems, someone can say, things are a mess in our family. Pray for me. You know what this word means? Somebody comes over and puts their arm around them and says, I've been there. One of my kids is still away. My wife left me. My husband left me. I've fallen into sin. I've been broken. And we all need to put our arms around one another because what the scripture teaches in his word is not the story of a few people that live absolutely perfect lives and who can therefore gather together worship and say, here I am, perfect, I did it right. I'll write a million books on how to raise kids. All of my kids are missionaries in China. It's not what the scripture... I don't read that in the scripture. I read about Jacob, a liar and a conniver. I read about David, an adulterer and a murderer. I read about Peter, who always probably cussed his head off when he got out of the spirit, and then he betrayed the Lord. I read of a Thomas who doubts the Lord, I read of Demas, who worked with Paul, was Paul's sidekick, and then left him. I read of brokenness and shattered lives, but I also read of grace, of forgiveness and mercy and restoration and the renewal of ethical and moral purity. But there can't be ethical and moral purity until we have honesty. And that's what a church family should be about. That's what I pray our church will be about. The kids are not going to say no when we say yes. They're not going to buy it. They're not going to say no when they find out by their junior year that a lot of the people that are telling, trying to tell them as adults to say no are involved in all of that stuff. It will not work. You say, well, what will work? Righteous people who never make a mistake, who stand up and say, listen, I did it, you can do it too. No. What a work is when we have honesty, where we can say, this is the way to live. This is the right path. The way of 1 Corinthians 13 is right. It will build you. It will help you. And you don't have to become cynical. In Christ, there is meaning. In Christ, there is life. It's worth living 70 years if the Lord gives it to you. It's not worth to blow your brains out in a split second of high because there's a Lord God. That's what we need. And when there's problems, when there's breakdown, we need a family that's healing. 
And oh, I pray that some of you maybe will be burdened by the Spirit to reach out to some people that are running away. Because a lot of people I see out there are like my little dog. When I was a little kid, my mom and dad went to Russia, and one thing my mom and dad told me before I went to Russia was this. Don't walk your two cocker spaniels without a leash. But I had them trained. And as most of you know, I'm an expert dog trainer. I had these dogs trained. They would walk right at my side. Right at my side. Never miss a beat. With the leash on. They did it for the first two weeks my mom and dad were in Russia. So I came up with a great idea. They're in Russia. I can't check it out with them. So I'll walk without a leash. I'm walking my two cocker spaniels without a leash in New Jersey. I got on the other side of the street from our house, and a caddy was coming down the street, and I had a big fat one named Salt with a great big white thing up here in front, and I had a little one named Pepper, these black cocker spaniels. Another dog was across the street, and Salt went right across the street, made it. Pepper right behind. And the big caddy went ka-thump, 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 right over Pepper's pelvis, whole rear end. And she's yelping across the street. I remember as a little kid, I was bawling my head off, thought she was dead. But she was yelping too loud to be dead, so I went over to her and I grabbed her in my arms to carry her home and to get her to the vet. And she bit the living daylights out of my arms. She bit me over and over again. I'll never forget as a little kid. Why did she bite me? Because she was hurting. Why was I holding her? Because I wanted to help her. I wanted to get her to a doctor, to a vet who could help. I remember the little 10-year-old kid with my arms bleeding. I took that dog inside. We rushed it to the vet. And a few weeks later, I got the tar knocked out of me for being disobedient. But my parents were thrilled because the dog was fine. A marvelous veterinarian put that pelvic back together, pelvis bone all back together. And Pepper lived to be about 16 years old. But I'll never forget, as a little kid, hanging on when I got bit. And that's what the word parakaleo is all about. You know what we do in our relationships? We let go when we get bit. And that's not strengthening one another. The people that bite you the most are saying, I'm hurt, terribly hurt. And when you're bitten, you want to drop them like a rock. Parakaleo coming alongside, keeps hanging on. And that's what a body of Christ is all about. The final word is, prophecy brings building by coming alongside and holding on to the hurting ones to bring comfort. It's a very rare word. It's the only time it's used in this text. But it means to bring comfort. Our church family needs to be a place where there's comfort. Comfort for the brokenhearted. Comfort for hurt lives. Comfort for parents agonizing over wayward kids. Comfort for children whose homes have just been destroyed.
That's what the gift of prophecy does. The revelation of God is a revelation of mercy and forgiveness. Now, who is it that we need to hang on to this week? Who is it that maybe bit us this week that we can't let go because they're our brother, they're our sister? Oh, I pray the Lord will develop the kind of integrity, the kind of openness that 1 Corinthians 14 is trying to drive home to us. We're gathered together not to get high, even legitimately high, We're gathered together to build, to meet the needs of one another by strengthening one another, by coming alongside with comfort. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we'd ask you as we have opened up 1 Corinthians 14 and begun to get into the heartbeat of of Paul's discussion. And as your Holy Spirit has prompted us to take some time to try to apply it and to make it live within some of the realities of what we're facing in our culture today. I pray that you would protect us from thinking of building large budgets and building buildings and buying land and not see that your whole heartbeat is for people from the smallest baby to the oldest adult, your entire focus is on people, unbelievers that need to hear the gospel, believers that need to be encouraged along the struggle of their Christian life. And Heavenly Father, I'd ask you that 1 Corinthians 14, the focus to build up one another would become the driving force of all of our gathered times. Father, you're the only one that can accomplish this. But in you, we are very confident that you'll mature us, that you'll help us to become more of a strengthening, edifying, giving people. I thank you so much for the word of God that doesn't give us ammunition for our own private vendettas, but instead we all get down on our knees before it. And allow your voice, like a loving father, to correct us, to put your finger on some areas of our life that we really need to be open with you about. Oh, Heavenly Father, I pray for integrity, for adults that will be very honest about struggles, but also very clear about the reality of what they've found in Christ, only in Christ. Can we rise up against the temptation to live just for the exhilarating moment of high, whether it be the high of drugs or the high of music or the high of athletic activity? Father, I pray that we would find the meaning of our life, not in personal selfishness, but in group and body life and giving. In Jesus' name we pray. And as Dave closes our study today in prayer, I trust that the Lord used these moments to encourage some of you who feel like the wounded cocker spaniel in Dave's story that the Lord Jesus is still hanging on to you. He wants to heal you. He wants to give you comfort. 
we all need to remember that we just learned about the fact that some of those who snarl at us and sometimes dig their fangs into us are actually the ones who are in the worst pain instead of biting back let's learn to respond in the confidence that the spirit of god can give us and answer rejection with acceptance anger with patience cussing with blessing and bitterness with kindness we certainly need more spirit gifted encouragers and comforters in our churches and these are gifts all of us can begin to exercise today